And we use that a lot. And what we probably never preach this is, if you remain in my word, you'll be set free. If you remain in my truth, if you take the truth and the whole truth and allow the whole truth to set you free, not part, not the bits we like, if we understand who God fully is, really is through revelation, the complete aspect of the Father, the one that is long-suffering, but the one that's disciplining at the same time. The one that actually, you know, like a, a father, human father, loves unconditionally, but at times disciplines to keep his, his, or her, his children in an alignment. Do we know that father? Because if we really want to be set free, if we really want to have a joy and a peace and, a, and, and be set free from the things that hold us back, Jesus tells us, gives us the answer to how that happens. He said this. He said, if you'll lose your life, you'll find your life. If you'll let go, you'll find. But so often we want to hang on and have the joy and the life and the peace. We want to put one foot here and one foot here. The Bible calls that lukewarm. God says, I'd rather you were cold or hot than lukewarm. And we cannot, cannot live that life and expect to come into joy, peace, the freedom, the abundance that this life, this book speaks about. It won't happen. Because your choices determine everything. And we just sung a song. I stand with my arms, my heart surrendered surrendered to you. What does that mean? That's a big song right there. Isn't it? But is the song a living reality for us? We have a message to proclaim. I'm all into proclaiming the message. But are we becoming it as well? Do people see Christ in us? Do they see life, peace, joy? That the living water is flowing from within. Why? Because my life is surrendered and submitted to Him. Jesus, can I follow you? And Jesus says this Birds have nests. Yep, got that one. Birds actually have nests, and foxes, they have holes. But me, I have nowhere to lay my head. I don't even have a tent. I have nowhere to lay. It's called rocks for pillows. It's called branches for blankets. I'm on a mission. I've got nowhere to lay my head. Do you still want to come? Oh, quite like the lazy boy at home, quite like the duvet, quite like the puffy pillows. Can I get back to you? Okay, well, I'm going. Jesus, my dad just died. Can I go bury him? Let the dead bury the dead. Come follow me. But harsh, 
Well, he was. He wasn't trying to attract anybody. He didn't have the latest offer out. He just said it as it was. And he said, now you choose what you want to do, but I know my purpose and I'm going there and I'm going to be a voice of truth as I go. And somehow in all of that, it attracted people to him. John the Baptist, these people that were prepared to lay it all down and surrender their lives because they saw something inside that was worth dying for. A surrendered life. And I just want to release prophetically what I believe the season that we are in as the rock and as the global church right now. I believe God is looking for hearts that are completely devoted and surrendered for him. It's not a season I personally don't believe. Now, hear what I'm about to say of all those works and all us rushing out and doing things. He's looking for hearts that are devoted and submitted in a relationship to him. I felt God say, four, sorry, about um, two months ago, eight weeks yet, I'm wrestling back my church off man. I'm finding as I'm talking to certain people, certain people that have a lot of influence in this nation, that God is messing with them. I've heard out of the mouth of one man, I think, Greg, I've got a lot of stuff wrong. And I think a lot of us have. And over my last two and a half years, God's been breaking, dismantling me in my thinking. And he's starting to do it. It's a season to be stripped back. Why? Why? Stripping back our hearts, our minds, our understandings, our presupposition. Good and bad. What's really there? What's at the core of my heart? Is it surrendered? Are you in love with me? We're going to look at that. Are you a person that is fully aligned to me? And does your life reflect that? Because I'm looking for something right now. I'm scouring this globe looking. And it says in 2 Chronicles 16 that God looks for a heart that is devoted to him to align with that man or woman. And so it's a season of being, I believe, right now, stripped back and God is looking. Why? Because he wants to get the dross out and the freshness in. He's looking for a heart to get the dross. Let me say that again. All the stuff that holds us, binds us, slows us down, out. And his goodness, his abundance, his spirit, the fullness, the joy, the peace, the power, in but it requires a decision to allow that to happen what is being a disciple of Jesus really about what does it mean to be a kingdom person because we throw these terms out like they're lolly water and they sound good and we get all excited but what does it really mean your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where? Right here. 
What does that really mean? And we're going to look at some of that. And I want to share you a picture that God showed me about a year ago. And I may have shared this. I'm not sure. I know I've shared it in different smaller environments, but it was very clear. I saw a picture of a man. And I don't get pictures. I get words or thoughts. So I don't really get a lot of pictures. And um, I saw this man. He was standing. And around him were these about 10 stakes that were in the ground. And he was in the center of the stakes. He was very comfortable, very calm. Everything was in control and ordered. And then all of a sudden in this, in this vision, I saw this big hand, it was a big hand, came in and grabbed one of the stakes and tossed it into eternity. And the man sort of went <clears throat> and went to grab hold of it to stop it. And then the thought I got was, it's okay because I've got nine more. And as he turned around to grab hold of the other stake to make him feel comfortable, I saw this hand come, grab the stake and throw it into eternity. And it went one by one by one by one with a man was standing there naked, not physically, but naked, exposed, vulnerable with his head down. Freaking out. Then I saw this big hand come in and sit right above his head. And he went like this. And the hand grabbed hold of his hand. The words were just like this. This is exactly where I want you to be. Trusting in me. Because you've put all these things in your life, your ministry, your positions, your giftedness, your money, your careers, your children, your wives, your husbands, all these other safety, security blankets around you, it's for me. And I believe right now what God is doing, He's removing these things. He's removed it in my life. There's more to come. He's removing it in your life. But you have a choice as to whether you will embrace this season. The Israelites didn't. Some of them. They were always trying to go back. Bible says that people don't really like a new wineskin. They like the old. Why do they like the old? Because it's comfortable. See, we don't, it's not the, we don't, we're not um, change. We're not afraid of change. We're afraid of the fear that comes with change, the lack of control. But God wants to be and is in control. But will you allow him to be in control of you? Because he doesn't, I've only ever seen one part in Scripture where he actually will force himself through a man's will, and that was Paul, where he went, you're mine, boom. 99.9% of the time, we have to submit that to him. He's looking for abandonment, guys. Abandonment to him. Live a life of faith. Paul spoke so much about it. The righteous live by faith. When I return, I'm looking for faith. The Hebrews did not enter their promised land because of unbelief. They didn't enter the rest, which is Him. It was Christ leading them through the wilderness, their spiritual rock. And God is bringing us into a greater depth, a greater reality of his truth, but we must go through a process 
for us to receive. And I'm going to share that process next weekend. This is a two-part thing. Let me read this to you. God wants to remove all the idols, all the masks, all the smoke screens, all the security blankets, the wrong mindsets that we have established in our hearts ahead of him and his ways because he longs to be at the centre of who we are so we not only become his bride but we experience the freedom he paid for now and become the church that the Bible speaks about. Listen to what Scripture says, that the church, you and I, are to be a pillar that supports truth on the earth. Start thinking what that means. We're to be a pillar that supports truth. Christ was truth. That people look and see truth in you. A lifestyle that doesn't just spout it, but models it. What about this one? That the manifold wisdom of God would come through the church into the heavenly realms. These, these, these angels are waiting for you and I to come to a place. Really, Greg? I just thought it was about turning up, putting some money in a bucket and serving on the worship team and going home. No. See, from God's perspective, the church is to rule and reign. We listened to that last week with Martin's message. It's to bring a governmental rulership to the earth, not in the form of political parties, in the form of a spiritual transformation of a person's spirit, their heart, their person. Spirit, soul, mind, completely restored through the power of God. Physically too. It's called the kingdom. And that God gives us gifts and talents and his whole dominion, his range of things, for that to be our reality. But is it? It starts at an abandonment to yourself. And Jesus screams this throughout the Gospels. But somehow I, for the last 13 years, have missed, because I didn't have eyes to see, literally what was in front of me. Love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. A scribe came to Jesus and said, Jesus, out of all these laws, 613, I think there are, Levitical laws, which one, which commandment is foremost, is the greatest? And Jesus said, that's simple. Let me just simplify it down for you. You know what? It's so simple, I think we miss it. It's simple, but the depth of this passage, I actually think it's the most important passage in the whole book. But I know for myself, and I'm not sure about you guys, but for myself, I've almost breezed past it and gone, yep, got that God, now what do you want me to do? Come on, I'm going to be a saviour of the world. I've got my cape on, got my power on, let's go. He's still standing over here going, where's he going? He's going to crash soon, watch. 
Jesus answered this question. He asked this question, didn't he? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes. And he answered it clearly and literally when he gave his answer. Now, he gave his answer from the Torah. Didn't have the New Testament. Didn't exist. Jesus preached from the Old Testament and the, the, the sorry, he pre- well, he did. He preached from the Old Testament, the major prophets, and he preached from the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, which these men knew intimately. They could quote it. Paul could recite the whole of the Old Testament. That's pretty impressive, don't you say? He knew the entire thing. He studied under Gamaliel. You had to, to be the level of religious leader that he was. And so they knew the word. They knew. And Jesus says, here it is out of Deuteronomy. And what did he say? Sort of like. Yep. Yep. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That is a divine order. It's not accident. It's not like Jesus went, oh, well, I'll just say it all and however they fall. Next week I'm going to unpack why that is a divine order. There is a divine order in coming into revelation. It starts in the spirit. It then hits your emotions, your soul, your will. It moves its way to your mind and then it outworks itself in your strength. If we do not come through that order, you know what happens? What I see a lot of is we start trying to love God in our own strength. Then we try and understand Him in our minds, and we never can. You can never understand God in your carnal thinking. Read Scripture. It's in Scripture that you would see it. Get behind me, Satan, he said to Peter. Why? Because Peter didn't have the mind of Christ. Carnal thinking. See, what happens is when you try and understand it in your mind and you can't, have guess what happens to your emotions? Frustration. This doesn't work. This is rubbish. Disillusionment. Hardness of heart is the final thing, which is the spirit, because the heart is the spiritual, and your heart hardens so you can no longer hear. It's the Pharisees. Jesus Christ came in flesh, stood before them and said, Hi, I've turned up. The book they knew, they knew it in their minds but not in their hearts and they killed him. Literally, love me. And we're going to get on to that. We know that scripture. I'm just going to read the second part of that scripture because there is a fascinating thing here that God has shown me uh, regarding as you read down. So, uh, Mark twelve twenty eight to 34. And this is me. I know a lot of stuff in my head, but am I living it out because it's living in me? A lot of information. A lot of theological understanding, or maybe not a lot, maybe a bit. But is that living in me where it's living? Jesus said what? My words are spirit and life that the Word of God you would receive in you to perform its work in you because it moulds and shapes you. Now let's just come on. We've just read uh, 
literally 31. So come on, um, Mark 12, 31. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other greater commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, Right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is one, and there is no one else besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all understanding and all strength and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. That's interesting. When Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. That's what I believe the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, Jesus is saying to the scribe, you understand the commandment. You understand it intellectually. And much more important than that, you understand that, that it's more than it's more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And that's good. It's good that you understand that loving God completely devotedly with your whole entire being is much more better than just doing stuff, giving stuff. Now you've got to hear me today. I'm into doing. There are certain things God wants us to do. Jesus patterned that. But... Is it more important than knowing Him? Because it's the knowing Him that that flows out of. And Jesus is saying, you've got this in your head. You've got it. But it's not a living reality. You are near the kingdom, but you're not in it. Where's the kingdom? Where does the kingdom start? Within you. Do you love God within you with all your heart, soul, mind, strength? Is it a living reality? Is it a living truth? Or is it just a nice statement on a wall somewhere that we go, yep, got that right now, let's go. And let's do all the burnt offerings and sacrifices and have a party over here and sing some songs. and woo-hoo-hoo. But that's not my reality. Because that thing will shape, mold your life if it is. And it's so easy to go do that than it is to receive the revelation of that. Because this requires something that that doesn't necessarily. What are our burnt offerings and sacrifices today? I'm going to speak for myself because I don't know what yours are. For me, it was trying to build the church. It was me trying to think I could build the church. That was a sacrifice that I was bringing. I think I needed to keep everything spinning. I have to go reach the world for you, God. I have to reach the lost. I have to raise leaders. I have to lead this. I have to lead that. If I don't do it, no one will do it, God. Can't you see all this work I'm doing for you? God, no one else sees it, God. I'm running backwards and forwards. Man, I'm running a marathon. I need to go back to the gym to lose some pounds. We're doing this thing for you. Anyone else like that? No, hope not. They aren't turning up on time. I'm getting frustrated. Why didn't this one do this? God, does no one else see God? All these sacrifices I'm laying down for you. He said, I didn't ask that. He said, Greg, I seek and save the lost. 
Didn't ask you to. Now I'm hoping you're going to hear what I'm saying today. I love the lost. I was one. And I'm out there being led by him when he says. But you know what? I'm not seeking them in a level that's destroying me. I'm not building this thing. I can't. But that was my sacrifice. This is my burnt offering. Get you messed up. Get you not in freedom. The burden becomes so heavy, you're getting smaller and smaller. I used to be six foot eight. And you're like this. And no one ever sees. But I'm doing it for you, Jesus. And we've got to have the best entertainment because they won't come if we don't have the best band in town. If we don't have the best preaching or the best coffee. Gee, what will happen to Wellington if I don't have the coffee? If the heating runs out, will they come? If we don't have music, will they still come? You know what? Jesus said, birds have nests. Foxes have holes. Son of man has nowhere you still want to come I didn't see Jesus rocking up with his 12 piece give me a half up come on clap on I see that hand I'm taking the mickey a little bit okay he's looking at hearts today wanting to find hearts that will allow him to build by his pattern, his way, but it takes a breaking down of our will. And I've been through that the last two years, and I'm sure I'm going to go through more of it. Listen to what the word love in that passage actually means, okay? This is going to rock you. The word love is the Greek word, agapeho, which means this to totally give yourself over to, to be totally consumed with what you put first in your life. It's a binding of oneself to something or someone that you become one with. And it's not based on a feeling, but a choice. So it's not about, God, I feel so in love with you. That's awesome. I actually think that's where God wants to bring us to, that it's, a, it's, it's an emotion. God's given us emotions. We are not to be controlled by our emotions, but I believe the ultimate revelation is where that revelation is so emotional, it's so close to your heart, that it grips your very being. But it's a choice. Jesus didn't choose, he didn't feel sorry, like going to the cross. We see Jesus' humanity in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows he's coming. It's 4,000 years written. He's with God at the beginning. He knows the story. He knows his mission. And we see his humanity in a moment of time when he said, Father, not this will. Can, your other, can it happen? What am I butchering that scripture? <laughs> if there is any other way, his humanity rose up. But he chose because of that love, the binding that he had with his father. For you and me. He chose. Abandoned. He was completely abandoned. 
The Bible is all about a 6,000-year betrothal covenant that ends in a marriage that was given to us in the form of a love letter written and sealed in blood 2,000 years ago on a wooden cross. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you paid the price that we can become your bride to spend eternity with you forever. God, I pray you would just help us and strengthen us. Lord, your word says that many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called through salvation. Lord, we've accepted the invite that went out. We accepted it, but few are chosen. Few are chosen, Father. I pray that we would be people that want to be chosen. Not just enter the door, but walk through it. The narrow pathway, church. The narrow pathway. The abandoned pathway. Look at his position in the garden. completely abandoned. I just wanted to take a moment just say this again. I, I'm all into doing, but through a process of being and being led by the Spirit of God. And I'm, I'm changed from what I was two and a half years ago. Some of the things I'm saying. And, you know, God's just starting to reveal to me, you know, I, he gave me this thought the other day. We say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And predominantly, when I've heard that spoken, I hear people say, you know, there's no sickness in heaven, so there should be no sickness on the earth. And that's the first place we go to. And I go, well, that's true. But I don't believe that's a major. I believe that's a minor. Because God just started revealing me. He said, Greg, there's... No conditional love in heaven. Is there unconditional love in the church on the earth? There's no self, Greg, in heaven. Is there selflessness in the church on the earth? You know what? We've focused on the minors. We've turned it into the gifts, the healings, all the externals. But the Bible speaks about love as the greatest commandment. That type of love. And not only are we to love him with that type of love, that surrender, I'm to love this man right here with that type of love. It's the same word. So not only am I to be bound and bonded to God, but to Paul Costello, that we are one of spirit, of mind, of purpose, spirit-led unity. Can I find a church on the earth that lives like that? Do you want to be part of it here? That's what God's building. It'll cost you your life. It'll cost you everything. But you will find everything. Do you want to have peace and joy and the rivers of living water pumping out of you? Love like that. Love your brother and sister, the people beside you. Not the world. We're going to love the world like that. But you know what the Bible says? It says, if my people would love one another like I love you, which is that same word in John again, Everyone that's at the moment playing rugby, 
partying still, out at the beach, out to lunch, would know that I was sent for them. Because the love in the church is incredible. Why? Because it's God in us is love. It's unconditional. It's that love that actually is him. So when they look at us and the community that's being built, they go, I have never, ever, ever found that anywhere. And I've been looking for it my whole life. What are they looking for? See, people are interested in our gifts. We are. They want relationship. What did God come to do? Let me read it out again. The Bible is all about a 6,000-year betrothal covenant that ends in a marriage that was given to us in the form of a love letter written and sealed in blood 2,000 years ago on a wooden cross. Are we just as passionate about healing and gifts and the externals than we are about loving one another and loving him? It's easy to lay hands on somebody. It's even sexy. It's exciting. Not so exciting or easy to sit with someone that really bugs you. I've said this before. I used to have a three-strike rule. I'm horrified at myself now. You come to me three times. We speak in the same thing. Third time round, you haven't got it together. Don't let the door hit you on the back of the head as you're leaving the office. I've got other things to do. I'm winning the world for Jesus. I've got to go to this conference. I've got to go to that conference. I've got to get all these books on purpose-driven life because no one's got a purpose. So I've got to get books on purpose-driven life. And you know how many copies of that book was bought? The second largest money spent outside of the Bible, 39 million Christians do not know their purpose. I'm not knocking the book, okay? I'm not knocking it. I'm not knocking Rick Warren. Here's your purpose, right here, written down. You don't need to look in other books. You don't need to get all the tapes. It's right here. Now, once again, I do believe in some of these other things. I'm for them. But, man, we've tossed that out, and we've got man's opinions. And look at us. Are we winning the world? No. Why? Because it's really simple. It's like this. Die to yourself, surrender, lose your life, I turn up, bang, it all happens. Get focusing on doing the majors, loving me, laying it down, loving these people right beside you. Go from there, love on a world, and you'll see me move in both. You know, it's to be literal. I had a funny time with the girls during the week. I didn't share this with Danielle. The other morning, she went to work, and Danny starts at 7 o'clock, uh, 2 of the mornings. So I play dad, we get the girls up, and breakfast is always interesting because there's always wheat bits flying across or, you know, something getting tossed, and, you know, as they are. And um, <laughs> I said this, I think Madeline is annoying me. Madeline, I'm going to kill you! <laughs> oh, Greg, the flesh coming out. Lily, who's our three-year-old, goes, Daddy, you're not going to kill her, really, are you? 
then I could see in mind working overtime, actually, that might be quite good. I might get that, 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 and that. <laughs> but literally, she took the words literally. We've turned, we, we, we say things, you know, oh, it's all, you know, it's all picture. You don't take it literally. It's not this, it's not that. It's literal. Understand the context, understand who said it, when it was said, who it was said to. It's literal. Now, sure, yeah, there are some things in the Bible that you know we need to understand and look at and research out, but when he says, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, that love, it's literal. Why? Because he's looking for something. Jesus said in Mark 7, 9, you are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. I'm just going to read you one last scripture and then that's it. So we'll, uh, guys, if you want to come back on, that'd be cool. I don't know if we'll sing a song, but get them ready just in case. Let me just read 1 Corinthians 10. I love, I love this. I'm consumed with this Bible. Avoid Israel's mistakes. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased for they were laid low in the wilderness now these things happened as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. And as is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. I want to encourage us today to move forward with what you're hearing. Don't keep snapping your head back and looking back and going, you know what? It was better in Egypt. Was it really? How quickly we forget. Was it really? All the bondage, all the plagues, all that stuff. See, our nature wants to go back, but our spirit wants to go forward. The disciples were weak in their flesh. Your flesh is weak, but your spirit's willing. Paul said, I don't want my flesh to disqualify me from something that he saw in the Eternals, that he was moving towards. Many get the invite. Few. And I'm not talking about heaven or hell. I'm talking about inheritance. I'm talking about the very thing I just read out, what God has called the church to become, to be. But it requires abandonment to him. 
a letting go, not perfection, faithfulness, perseverance, and obedience. He picks you up. He says, dust yourself off. Let's go. He picks you up. He dusts yourself off. Let's go. Let's walk strong. Let's encourage one another. Let's love one another. Let's be, let's be a people that this writes, that this speaks of. Let's not be living for self and trying to see our will. That's just surviving, guys. If you want to live, let go of self. Live for Him. Allow Him to define who you'll become, and you'll fly. The Bible says we're going from glory to glory. To glory. It's a constant moving up. It's not this. This is really I'm trying to do this. And I have some good days because I choose that and I have some bad days because I choose me. Let go. He's right here. Let go. Father, I want to thank you for these awesome people. I want to thank you for your power. I want to thank you for your life. Father, I want to just celebrate now who you are, your goodness towards us, your son towards us. God, you patterned this life of abandonment for us. You showed us, Lord. People walked away, but you said, Peter said, where are we going to go? You've got the answers. I can see it. No matter what it takes. Those men were killed. Some were beheaded. Some had oil poured over them tortured but you know what hard to kill a dead man when he's already dead hard to kill a dead man it's just flesh 75, 80 years it's a vapour compared to an eternity with him in the most intimate setting a marriage a covenant a betrothal that close to God, ministering to Him with the Son. You ever thought of this thought that many people aren't going to experience eternity with Him? I reckon that breaks His heart because He has this thing called unconditional love. He knows every person. He sees every person. He knows their choices. Still breaks His heart. Might not break ours breaks his. I think God's going to mourn for an eternity for the people that lost, people that, that were lost, that never chose. I reckon the bride of Christ is going to minister to God directly. Phenomenal relationship. Always been about it. Nah, let's go big. Let's stand. Let's just thank him. I want to cotton on what Jane said. It's time to thank him. Okay, let's hold for a minute. Hi, I'm Ingrid. I just had a word of encouragement for you. This is an awesome word, and it's for all of us. I just want to encourage you all to hear it. Um, we, we make decisions in our lives about what we have and what we don't have, and often we look at others and think, oh God, I've got it all together, so this is for them. But I've got this need or this empty space in me that I need this filled before I can move on in God. We have a deficit uh, because of something that we've lost in our lives. And I, I just want to encourage you that that's, that's not true. This word is for all of us. 
And I know that there are some of us who have said, oh, but this isn't for me because I can't hear this yet or I can't step up in this yet or it's too hard a word for me to hear. And I just want you to just take one step of bravery and test God in it. One little part of yourself that you might be able to give up today because he knows that it's hard. He knows the steps we have to take. He knows what we think of ourselves. He knows what we think we don't have. And it's, it's, he, doesn't, he doesn't expect you to leap off the cliff if you have no faith. So test him in that and test him one little thing at a time, one day at a time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Greg, for hearing. Thank you.